<laughs> it sounds too much like First Nations and it seems like something we should be celebrating. And then it's like, nope, they're like discriminating against people. Like actually, David Pasternak is going to be watching it in Boston, like sitting there with popcorn next to me. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Back. We're back. We're back. We're back to the Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan, and I am just so thrilled that we're back. Um, we are, of course, joined by the wonderful, brilliant, and woefully underutilized, more people hire this woman for oh, her God, genius, job. <laughs> Sarah Sivian. How are you? Yes, I'm great. I'm glad to see your lovely, beautiful faces. I know it's pretty much my fault every listener for like not recording in the past few weeks i was traveling i got sick i've been really busy with my multiple jobs so just trying to stay afloat i know we know how it is these days but we're back and it is not just sarah's fault it's my fault too because i went to a remote location that doesn't have good wi-fi so sarah and i will take that blame together but one person who doesn't take any blame and we would not be too many men without this woman is quickly becoming a fashion icon for her upcycling skills. Folks, I've literally been sending texts demanding pieces that I want with little patience. It is the <laughs> athletics Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. And for every listener, if you have a Kraken jersey you don't want, please put it up for sale on Depop so I can thrift it from you and flip it into a very cute puffer for Allison. <laughs> so self-serving it's ridiculous <laughs> listen right. it's hard for new team newer teams to find this stuff and like players change teams everyone wants the newest jerseys you know maybe you have a fanatics one you don't want i will take it i will take it go get yourself a nice adidas ones listen i saw so the red wings were here on monday and there were two fans who had grown up red wings fans fans and i respect it right when you're just a three-year-old team you can't be a lifelong kraken fan yet they had a Howe jersey in both Kraken and Red Wings, and they had cut them in half and then sewn them together, and they did hats. Oh, my so God. Like, it was That's wild. so – I've never seen a spliced hat like that. It was – It was Donna Kelsey. It was <laughs> – <laughs> All right. Well, friends, we've been gone for a few weeks, as Sarah and I both said, but we have so much to talk about. And for the first time, truly with intention, Sarah – what time is it? Bring it home. Bit news. <laughs> <laughs> it is time for bit o news. And again, shout out to the wonderful Benny Drawbars for giving us the best drum ever to announce bit o news. <laughs> Look at that. We'll post it again when we post this episode because the sun's a little behind it. We can't see the cool logo, but we love it. All right, let's start with some NHL news. Um, there's going to be some changes in how this month of February looks for the next couple years. Let's start with next February. There's not going to be an all-star break because what there's going to be is what we're apparently calling, and I'm going to be honest, you guys, I hate this name, the Four Nations Face-Off. Like, what are we doing? Um, it's... <laughs> It sounds too much like First Nations and it seems like something we should be celebrating. And then it's like, nope, they're like discriminating against people. Like actually, David Pasternak is going to be watching it in Boston, like sitting there with popcorn next to me. 
Well, that's exactly the point. We only have four nations participating. It's going to be kind of a watered down version of the World Cup. But again, you know, in terms of trying to work around the fact that Russia shouldn't be invited for geopolitical reasons and this and that and the other thing, a lot of the league's best stars, Sarah already mentioned Pasternak, but you look at players like Dreisaitl, Sider, Stutzla, Yossi, Hishir, Kopitar, etc. Their country's not going Four countries participating, but a lot of elite talent not. And I think we saw in this last All-Star game that what we what our fans want to see is the best against the best. Shayna, do you think this is a good first step and they should try it, or should they have just waited till they could figure out how to get the top-tier talent all participating? I think they should have done something to get back into international hockey. It feels like it's been put off forever at this point, but I don't think this is it. Like if there was some sort of Euro Cup, right, and then there was some sort of North American Cup, like you'd have my interest, you know, a seven game series, rivalry series, USA, Canada versus and then you have a bunch of European teams, NHLers, non-NHLers competing together like that could be something. And I get you can't form a full team Germany with NHL players right now or, or a full team Switzerland, but it feels like such a miss if you have to avoid using Russia, which rightfully so at this point. You need something else to make up for the fact that this is like an expected NHL powerhouse gone. And I know some people don't want the gimmicky shit, but it feels like this is kind of the prime opportunity to have some sort of team Europe, even if it was two versions of it, right? Like Switzerland and Germany are on one side and then you could have Austria, Czech Republic, Slovakia on another side. Like, I feel like there's a middle ground to have some, some way, somehow to have more than four teams in action and have more stars in action because it just doesn't feel right how many players are excluded from this? Justice for Oliver Bjorkstrand. Who will think of the Danes, Sarah? Right? Other than the great Nikolai Ehlers line, erasure, once again, he faces it at every level of play. Sarah, other than the fact that we're going to get tremendous content from your watch along with David Posternog, uh, yeah. what's your take on this tournament? I don't know if the players, the All Star Game, doesn't require a ton of effort, and this is going to require a little bit more physical output even if it's not at their highest level than an all-star game what do you make of the league bringing this back and bringing it back in this way wait first of all is this next year or the year after because what did the islanders announce that's 2026 they get the all-star for the olympics correct so we're taking a break okay yes (laughs) that's weird that's weird um first of all second of all i just feel like we all want the one thing. And it's one of those examples, like the, it's so NHL that the Olympic news was overshadowed completely by this because it's like, okay, we're going to do this like really convoluted example of this one thing. And then we can get the Olympics, but it was just kind of like, I don't know, I'm looking forward to the Olympics. And if the Olympics news wasn't attached to this and I would be really annoyed, but it is just the way leagues are handling international play when it comes to wars going on and everything going on. It's really like short-sighted. If you ask me, I don't think good players should be penalized, especially in different times during these wars and next year, who knows where things are going to be. It just feels like not a genuine representation of the best players in the world right now, as we're saying. And I, I would really be okay with, Team North America, Team Europe, things like that would be okay even. But I don't like, all right, we're going to pick four countries. Yeah, it's a little random. And I think, again, to to both of your points, if this break is to say let's watch best versus best, that's not what we're going to get. 
But where we might get a little closer to it is what Sarah alluded to. So next year, 2025, will be the Four Nations face-off. But 2026, in the month of February, what's going to happen is the All-Star Game is going to be held on the island. The New York Islanders will be the host. And then jumping off right from that, the NHL is officially going back to the Olympics. Asterix, at least right now, as long as the rink is built on time. But for the next two years, the NHL is supposed to be playing. It will be a better representation, in my opinion, of best on best. But again, Russia may not be there. So we are back to the Olympics. I think people know how much that means to so many players in all leagues around the world. Shayna, what do you think of what's going to happen two years from now in terms of allowing stars to shine and compete against each other? It's great for the game, right? Like, obviously, there's a fun element to it when it's not superstars and it's what the Olympics were meant to be. It's the amateurs. It's the up and coming players. But there's something to best on best hockey. We get it at the women's level and it's an unbelievable tournament every year. And it's so fun to see federations we didn't expect jump up and be more involved. Like for the women, it's Czechia. We're seeing, you know, these this disruptive team come up and we're learning more about them. Like, I want to see the same thing at the men's level. Um, I just... I, I think this is really great news and it's really big for hockey and for the NHL that could use the eyeballs on it because if you see someone popping off, you know, obviously it can help general managers spot new talent too that they didn't know or it can have fans who weren't watching NHL hockey before get interested in the game because everybody wants to watch a little bit of everything at the Olympics. But I feel so horrible for the players who didn't get to compete these last few years. I understand the last one because of COVID, it was a weird environment and I don't think anyone would have faulted the NHL for not going but it's the Olympics before that that they opted out of. For the players who lost their last opportunity to compete, like this has to be so bittersweet for them. And that's like where my first thought went. Like the NHL just robbed so many players of this experience. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. Sarah, you already talked about it. The Olympics are coming back. What do you think? Yeah, that's great news. Um, gotta give credit where credit's due there finally. I mean, every player wants it. It's like, one of the special things about hockey, I feel like it doesn't, the Olympics don't always translate. I don't know. That's probably like short-sighted of me, but a league like the NBA, it's like, I don't know, like the Olympics don't always translate well, but like the amount of diversity in terms of countries in the NHL is something like your top tier players are from all different, which is like exactly the problem with trying to do something like a four nations. It's like, there's so much, diversity among countries. And I love watching even like, of course, it's amazing to see like Austin Matthews and uh, team America, like to see the Americans together and the Canadians together. I don't know. That's fun, but it's also just seeing like how much I remember talking to Nino Niederreiter about Switzerland. Like he has so much pride to be able to play for that and represent his country in a way like not many other people can like, it's pretty cool for the guys that are kind of not from niche countries, but from like re less represented in the NHL countries. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I think about that too, not just, I think the players who aren't from this traditional powerhouses, like it does mean a lot to say, Hey, look at where I'm from. And I think for the fans too, right? Like they get to say, look at our prodigal son who did make it to the NHL. And then that hopefully helps grow the game in their country and, and all of those good things. So we shall see. Um, again, the NHL has a track record of, of potentially finding reasons to not go back to the Olympics. So we'll believe it when we see it. But as of right now, in two years, expect to see 
most of the best against the best on the Olympic stage. In other international hockey news, something a little less positive, but we told you we'd continue to watch it, and we are. In the Hockey Canada investigation, which I don't know about you guys, I watched that press conference and woof, not great. But on the hockey side, uh, the teams that have the players who have been removed from action due to the sexual assault case to the Hockey Canada alumni, the teams will receive salary relief, which means they won't have their cap situation complicated by these players not being able to play but being on the payroll. Similarly, players will continue to get their salaries, which I'm sure from a labor law perspective is certainly required under the guise of innocent until proven guilty. So some good news for the teams that lost some key pieces of the puzzle. I think of New Jersey in particular that has two players that came away. Shana, do you think this is opportunity for these teams? Do you think it's going to be tricky for the affected teams to replace players that are gone for these specific reasons? I think for it's going to be harder for some teams than others, like the Flyers losing, you know, like your 1A goalie is going to be tricky. But I mean, I think the fact that teams are getting salary relief makes sense because a team shouldn't be penalized for something like this and, you know, have that their cap hit weighing when who knows how long they're going to be out. It, it could be months. It could be years. It could be no time at all. And I also feel like teams will, I don't want to say comply with this, but be more willing and forthcoming to help when these situations arise, if they know like they're not going to get completely screwed for it. So the fact that this cap relief, anyone that's missing someone, if you're the devils and feel you need another bottom six center, like you can afford to get one now. So that helps you kind of Subtle move shade. on from it. And it's, <laughs> I mean, that that's, that's, I mean, I know, just, I know, you know, I know, I know, go ahead. That's, you're not that's, wrong. What he, that's what he is. You know, but if, if you're a team that's trying to complete compete, like, do I think you should get fucked over by this? no like that that would be wrong and I just don't see teams being as willing to like step up to the plate when these situations come up and like be like hey here's the player and he did this and we're gonna go through the proper routes if like they know it's gonna burn them completely yeah I mean it I mean it definitely seems by letter of the law the right thing to do the teams are now allowed to make a move if they need to and the players because there have been no true findings yet in a court of law they do continue to get paid and I'm sure that the players association would make a lot of noise if any other decision was made sarah do you disagree obviously there's the legal reasons these decisions have been made but on any other level do you think these are the wrong decisions or do you think this is what has to be done right now yeah the legality of it all this is really when this starts to take over and i think shana made the best point of all where it really is like teams are going to be more likely to comply with things like that's just the reality of it. And you think about it, how do I make this situation fair? You just don't, because if this was a fair world, this never would have happened in the first place. So you just do your best to, I mean, give the team some cap relief, but also like keep your eyes on what's actually happening here and the bigger issue at hand. So it's like, this is as fair as they can make it. And yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, it'll be something we continue to watch. It sounds like this is going to be a very, very, very long process. And for those players who are currently under investigation, we see you taking your fancy trips to Mexico mm. and stop it. Tone deaf to post too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't know any players were posting that. I completely missed that. But like, my Wolf. God, way to feel fucking entitled. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, someone's girlfriend posted a picture of him and said, do not disturb. Like, I mean, honestly, maybe she didn't think that she was like a public figure, but just watch what you say. Like, yeah. And if you're the player, I would be like, keep this yeah. under wraps. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. No matter innocent or privacy. guilty, that's yeah. just, just such a disrespect for the victim. But anyway. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's move on to some other players who are out of the game. But for some other reasons, um, first, it was announced that Evgeny Kuznetsov has uh, left his team in Washington and has entered the player assistance program. And I think we are all on record of being wildly supportive of players getting the help they need for any aspect of their health. Um, but I don't know that we know more. I don't know that we need to know more. But Shayna, obviously, the, his team was already struggling, likely not even a playoff contender this season. Beyond the player level concerns, do you think Washington has anything they can do to rectify this? Or is this this just is what it is for them right now? No, I mean, I think this honestly, I don't want to sound like. I don't want to kick a player while he's down, but I think it opens the door for them to get a better look at what their top six can be. And someone like Connor McMichael, we saw score a sick goal last night against the Devils, like get that opportunity in the top six. And, you know, Dylan Strom already is getting that, but it feels like they've had veterans in roles that maybe they're not suited for right now. Their game isn't there. And we saw back from struggling as a three C at times. And Kuznetsov has hit, has had some up and down years too. So for the caps, like if anything, this is good because you get to learn what the future of this team looks like. And that might direct what you do at the deadline again, because I don't expect them to completely sell, but if they can keep doing what they did last year and be a little bit more proactive and bring in young talent, they could look at it and go, we really need another center. We really need this. And you know, that that's what they need big picture, regardless of like what their trajectory is this year. Like, do you want to just help Ovechkin get to his milestone? Then you need to figure out what he needs. So keep testing him with different players. And Sarah, of course, you know, again, we always care about the human behind the player and the the on-ice persona as well. Any thoughts that, that you have on Kuznetsov taking this step to make sure that he can live his best life and is most healthy? Yeah, I don't know whether to feel sad or happy about the amount of play. We keep talking about this, the amount of players entering player assistance. I wonder if this was something that was emphasized that was available to them that like they obviously knew and were aware of, but I don't know if it's either more people in general struggling with addiction or is it men feeling better like more likely to ask for help which is a good thing is it a combination of both it just feels like what is it hockey related because there are like proportionately all we know is like this in the hockey world right now but i i commend anybody asking for help and receiving it i i hope i mean obviously it's none of our business what ends up happening but i do hope there is somebody who wants to come forward and maybe explain like what, not the reason, I mean, I'm sure everyone's on their individual journeys, but I don't know, like you look at what's happening with Patrick Laine, where there was a really distasteful comment made and then Gaudreau's uh, donating money for every point or whatever it is to mental health. And Laine actually stood up and I, he was on Twitter and I loved that. He said, this is not okay. And I just think a lot of young men are gonna look at their, like a hockey star, standing up for himself, standing up for mental health. And it's going to have a really good impact, but I just hate that everyone's going through it. I know Kuznetsov has been struggling for a while and he's been struggling with his game. I don't know. It's obviously you don't think about the game first. You think about the person, but I just, 
I don't know. I'd like to read a story about this maybe in a, a few years, just kind of mm. like, did they have the correct people to talk to that told them it's okay to get help? Like, was there somebody that came in the NHL? And like, I know there was, um, oh, I'll look this up later, but there's like a resource from a former NHL player who has been going like from team to team. Maybe he helped. So maybe we'll ask him about that. But long story short, glad people are getting help. And it just, it is sad though. Well, if you ever felt so compelled, I couldn't think of a better, more skilled and more appropriate writer to write that story in a few years and I would read it. But uh, let's continue on some other players who are away from their teams. And let's start with someone who's done for the year, unfortunately, and that's Blake Wheeler. Um, some sort of lower body injury. We think a leg or knee injury versus Montreal. Obviously, a big piece of the puzzle. Shayna, what's the impact of Blake Wheeler out for the season? Yeah, that's it's terrible for him because like he seems like such a nice person in like all facets facets of the game. Like he seems like such a good leader. You you saw Jacob Truba talk about it a bit, and like they were teammates in Winnipeg too. And he even said, like, you know, you hope this isn't it for him, not just this season, but in like the big picture. Like Wheeler is an older player and you don't know how long the recovery is. Like we don't know the exact injury because some teams um, like to be super cryptic I don't know if you guys saw Dadanoff it was like a lower body fracture was the most information we got from the stars like it, it's so cryptic sometimes but um, you know obviously it opens the door to the Rangers trying to figure out their right winger situation which has been a weakness for them all year and I don't know if Blake Wheeler was ever the answer on the top line but without him on, you know if you could slot him more appropriately and find someone else I think it would have given the team more depth and now you're down a player at the end of the day, even if you were going to find a top line right wing, this is one less body you have one less skilled player. And, you know, it's going to weigh on their depth at the, you know, their fourth line right now is pretty inexperienced and, you know, their third line, they're still figuring out where to put players like Capococco. So, you know, there it's, it strains a, an already established area of weakness for the team and they don't get a ton of cap relief since he was on such an inexpensive contract in the first place. Another player who's out, and we believe for up to four weeks, and Sarah, I'm really interested in your take on this, and that's Jay Gensel. This is a player for Pittsburgh who, you know, really popped and has shined there in his time. I remember his first game, and he came out and, like, just lit it up, and he's been going ever since. Yeah. Um, but with Pittsburgh where they are, you know, this was a team and a player specifically that was kind of on the trade block, potentially what is Pittsburgh going to do, what is going to be – their strategic direction going into this trade deadline. And we, of course, first and foremost, wish Jake Gensel a full recovery. But with him being now kind of off the trade block, this mucks up Pittsburgh's plans as well, both at the trade deadline. And now do they have to consider differently? Do they resign the player because they're not going to be able to trade him? That it wouldn't be that obviously a correlation. Mm -hmm. But what is the state of the Pittsburgh Penguins given the injury to Jake Gensel in your mind? Well, What's the state of any team in the Metro right now? They are so all so close. The Capitals, obviously, they're having a little bit of a resurgence right now, but I don't think they're as good as the Penguins and they wouldn't survive a playoff round. Like they're only two points ahead of the Penguins in the standings too right now. And then the Islanders and the Devils are tied for the next up and they're tied at 60 points. So it's just like, I don't think the Penguins should give up. I really don't. I think they still do have a well-rounded team, but it feels like they want to give up. Like, I don't know how to take, but it feels like they've been saying this for a few years or not a few years, but I don't know. Like 
you look at last season and they were right there. And like, if they, there was some bad breaks and stuff and they like missed by that one fateful game against the fucking Blackhawks. But it's like, don't you want to fight? Don't you want to say, okay, we're actually going to make the playoffs this year. Like, I don't know. I just don't, I keep seeing those articles where it's like, they're going to trade everyone. And then it's like in fine print, (laughs) except the core. It's like, okay, then what are you doing? That's like a cop out. What are you doing? Uh, And Shane, I'm going to loop you in on this because you just reposted this morning on Twitter, the uh, playoff odds and Pittsburgh has just plummeted out of the picture. Sarah raises really the very best point, which is, okay, fine. You trade everyone away, but if you keep the oldest guys on your team, just because, and they are all great players, but nonetheless, is this going to work for you? What do you think Pittsburgh is going to do at the deadline? And is it the right thing? I think that if they wanted to, they could still trade Gensel because I think they said like he's out up to four weeks, not at least four weeks, up right. to four weeks. A very They're literally going to wheel him out like in the stretcher and be like, just take one face off. Just and then go, just go, get out there. Crosby will get you the puck. Just stand there. Um, it, But like, no matter what, if you're Pittsburgh, like I know if you're thinking, okay, retool a little bit because the playoffs are just slipping away right now. And Jake Gensel's the player that's going to get you the most back out of anybody you could trade, right? You're still not a better team next year. No matter who you get back, what you get back, you're not a better team. Unless you know a thousand percent you're not extending Jake Gensel, like you you got to keep him. Yeah. And the idea that Pittsburgh would retool now when you have another year of Crosby signed and ideally the Penguins want to get another year or two with them and he's playing at such an exceptional, exceptional level, like you can't do that. You also have to look at it and be like, you're letting these points slip away. And it's not just the Gensel injury. You're in this position. And part of it's due to your terrible power play. I've watched this team every game. Like last night, here's your prime opportunity. You're playing one of the worst penalty kills in the league. Your power play could take advantage of things. And it literally can't. It just can't. You go, what could you do to make yourself better? Are you doing everything possible? Are you making the right adjustments? Are you, I don't know, looking at who's leading the power play and doing such a terrible job since it became went behind the bench to do it. It's like, you can't help yourself if you're Pittsburgh right now. So I literally don't know what the move is, except for trying to get the power play to work and trying to find a way to complement this core and just keep going for it. Some teams like they should step back. Does Pittsburgh do that when they are not going to get rid of their core players? Like you can't, then you have to keep competing. It's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Do they become the next Chicago or do they somehow figure this out? We will see. Um, Some other players who are still playing, but in different jerseys, we had two big ticket trades in and around All-Star break. And the one of one of them I want to ask you about first, Sarah, was Sean Monahan. He leaves Montreal and heads over to Winnipeg, loading up one of the very top teams in the West that wants to really make a push and is giving a big old middle finger to pretty much everyone else who wrote them off after the Dubois trade this summer. Do you like this move for Winnipeg? Yeah, I do. Monaghan's kind of been faded into the background for a few years now because of his circumstances. So I really like when a player that isn't bad, like gets trade that has potential to be turn our heads and be like, oh, he's making an impact. He's finally on this team that is good again, right? Like, and I remember he made such an impact when his team was good. So it's like, I would like to see what he's made of anymore it's obviously a gamble because it's like does he still have it is he declining like what's the t but we're gonna find out what the t is 
And Shana, I'm interested for your take on this other trade, and that's Elias Lindholm leaves Calgary and heads on over to Vancouver. You have been on record multiple times of wanting to see Vancouver focus on defense. Do you like this move? Yes. Um, center depth definitely was an issue for them. And like they addressed it in like a depth way, but they needed they needed something more because JT Miller is at his best on the wing. And like it doesn't matter at this point what they're paying and what the contract is, whatever. You want to maximize his game. So if you can get a true second line center and just add more versatility to your top six, you want to do that. And I think Lindholm is legitimately the perfect fit for for them. Like you look at a player who has a really good shot, is going to be good in all situations. He can take on top competition if you need him to, or share that load with that, you know, one of their shutdown lines in the bottom six. Like, I feel like he's just a jack of all trades and like, yes, he's having a down year, but you look and you can see different signs of a rebound. And I feel like the shift from Calgary to Vancouver is going to set him up for that. Um, and then you look at the center market around him and you go, do you go for the top player and spend, or do you go for one of those secondary options like a Monahan when they started, like when they started making moves, I think that they made the best deal they could because the options behind Lindholm drop off significantly. And as good as you might think Monaghan or Henrik are, and they are, the price is just going to be so much higher once Lindholm came off the board. So if you had to choose, you're spending a first for someone like Lindholm or Monaghan, like I feel like it's such an easy decision. So I think it was really smart to be proactive. And also you get more bang for your buck, even if you don't extend him, which they still might try to, you're getting that extra month or two of him on your team that's more cost-effective. So I like, I, I love that for them. I'm also, and I also love the timing of it, right? Like, I think it's a really interesting conversation we're starting to have about, you know, we talk about pulling the goaltender earlier because that gives you more opportunity to come back tie and potentially win. The trade deadline really does not give new players an appropriate amount of time to acclimate to a new team. And I stand on record that I don't think games should be played on trade deadline day because it's insane. But like I do applaud trades going down when the league is in a break and you can sort things out. You can figure out if your family can come with you, where are you going to live, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of here for the earlier trade scenarios going down myself. As exciting as we all want the trade deadline to be, I'm kind of here for it. Wow. Soft era. Listen, I don't know. I I like it too, though. You get a chance to digest the trades, right? Like if everything happens on deadline day, I feel like our heads are spinning and say yeah. a team gets three players. Now you're not saying, okay, one player needs to adjust. Now you're entering three players. Like, I love the approach of make the move now. And then you have a chance to see what the team still needs down exactly. the line. You could be like, hey, we just brought in a second line center. Yeah. Are we good? And in two weeks, you might be like, you know what? We really could use a third line right wing. You know, that exactly. our forward group still needs that. Like, why not? One more trade we need to talk about. And it's significant in that it involves one of the very best players ever. I'm not biased at all, Um, but it is also the very first trade in PWHL history. Boston and Minnesota have a transaction where Sophie Jakes, the very best defender ever, goes to Minnesota for Susanna Tapani and Abby Cook. Shayna, and if you all aren't following Shayna's coverage of the women's game on The Athletic, fix that right now. Shayna, break this trade down for us and tell us what you think of the resulting moves. My mind was blown when I saw this trade. I literally, like, we're trying to watch Super Bowl, and I kept, like, pointing out, I want to look up to her, did you see this? I literally could not believe it, because to me, Sophie Jakes was a player, like, when you looked at the draft, she would have been, I would have picked her higher. Like, I know she struggled 
at the international level at, at the senior level and that little bit of time that she's had and you have questions on like how her game's going to translate from the NCAA level and the pace that we're seeing in the PWHL is going to strain players like it's so up tempo right now but to me she is a long-term piece that you want because of her versatility because of what you can do on both ends of the ice in any situation I think Minnesota just got so much better. I don't know that there was that room for her in Boston with Keller ahead of her on the depth chart, though, to be in that appropriate role. And you look at Boston. I mean, you look at Minnesota, though, and you go, that core, Zumwinkle, Heisey, Jakes, like, for years to come, they have the potential to be this dominant force. With Boston, they're one of the most disappointing, they are the most disappointing team in the PWHL right now. You look at the star power they have and how it hasn't come to fruition I get making a move and focusing on the right now when you have someone like Hillary Knight and bringing someone like Tapani, like she's so good. She's scoring so much right now. That's another center option for them. I think that's a great move. And Abby Cook's been really good defensively, but it would I have made the trade of Barbara Boston? Probably not. Like I get the emphasis on right now, but I wouldn't have moved a player like Jake's. Sarah, this affects your hometown team. And Shayna just said it's the worst in the league. What say you about this transaction and Shayna's flamethrowing across the interwebs? Oh, I agree. Listen, <laughs> we have a disgusting scoring issue in Boston right now. I think that's probably like you try to think, why would they trade the most exciting like defenseman? You know what I mean? Like they, they she should have been picked higher, as we said. And that was the most exciting thing other than night to me kind of about this team just watching her develop and grow but part of de development and growth in a professional hockey league is finding the right fit especially in one unique like this where there's so few teams and I think the scoring issues I mean Hillary Knight is not producing at the level that she needs to be which obviously isn't Jake's fault but they need some help they need to switch things around in a way that I don't know I'm going to give them a little bit of credit that I feel like maybe they have something going on behind the scenes where it's like two people played together or whatever, because in a league like this, the chemistry is the most important thing in the world. And you see that with the way the lines are being changed so often trying to find like any semblance of chemistry. And then like the goalies are literally the best goalies in the entire world. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just that you need to have your scoring on point if you want to be good in this league like it's just the most important thing so I get why they're prioritizing it and other teams know that and they know that the Boston Bostons have not been scoring so it's like okay we're going to squeeze something great out of you so the the defense has been awesome it's just kind of needing the goals so we'll see if this helps it might be one something that benefits everybody hopefully I will be sad though because I wanted to watch her play Boston, Boston's. We love to see Boston, it. Boston, Boston's. Well, you know, goal scoring isn't happening because of the puck weight and the puck oh, size. God. Oh, God. <laughs> no yeah. airtime to bullshit. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> two final departures that we need to talk about that are above uh, the player level or the team level. Um, first, we want to give a huge Too Many Men shout out to Helene Elliott. Um, if you are not familiar with her work, she has covered um, the California side of the game for eons and she was a trailblazer um i'm not usually starstruck anymore but when i saw her in a locker room just when i was starting out i had to gather all my nerves together and just have the guts to go over and just say how much i appreciated her and she was awesome and for women in this business in this sport in particular she has not only shown as a beacon of what women can do but she has produced top-notch work better than most writers around so she has accepted a buyout um, she's going to take some time 
we obviously know this is a commentary on the state of media in general and a reinforcement of why we always ask you guys to please click, read, slow scroll, pay subscriptions for what you do want to read. Um, but the sports world will be lesser if Helene's work is not in it. Uh, as I've said, she holds a very special place in my heart. But uh, Sarah or Shana, anything you want to say about Helene and what she's meant to women in this business and this business as a whole? Yeah, to me, I look to her as a trailblazer, not just because she was one of maybe the first women in an NHL locker room. Like she was not the first, but was uh, was up there. But she wasn't always positive. I don't know. You get this pressure women feel in sports and in hockey. Like, okay, if you're going to be around the league, we're letting you be around the league. Like you better be positive. What's in it for us. And they expect you to be some bubbly presence. I'm not saying she's not bubbly. I think she's hilarious. I think she's so quick witted, but I loved that she created or helped along this space of women who can be critical of the game, because I think that's so important for each and every one of us sitting here. Yeah. She's someone like, I feel like when we come into the field, you look, there aren't like a million women in this field, but there's like, when you see someone like Helene and her work and even like Lisa Dillman and her work, like, you know, those are the role models. That's who you follow. And it's a no bullshit approach, just quality work after quality story. Like that's, that's the bar and it's a good bar to be set for us to like strive towards so obviously you want to see her follow the path that she wants to from here and um, see her work get the respect and appreciation it absolutely deserves. Because I think it's not just open doors for us, but just giving us like a positive, I don't know, like model to follow after, which is is great to have. Because I think, like you said, like women are either expected to be this bubbly, happy to be here role, or they're in certain roles that the men deem you know appropriate for them so you know to see that like to see her work always and read it and follow it you're that's that's what we all want to do it was really cool we were um on the island for the cracking game there and it was towards the end of the game because i was writing and so piper was down there we're all out right outside the locker room our social media team member who was on the trip um was a woman as is a woman as well and i was there finishing up the game story and Shannon Hogan, who's part of the Islanders broadcast team, was walking by and she just stopped and she was like, look at all the women. And she was I just like, her. it was it was so cool. And that that happens because of work done by Helene, um, again, at a top level um, for so many years. And she is awesome. And we wish her well and we love her. And uh, again, support people who do the work that you enjoy, because if you don't, it may not continue. Um, one final farewell that we have is that um, some interesting timing here, but it seems to be in protection of the trade deadline. The Columbus Blue Jackets announced that they have officially parted ways with general manager Yarmo Kekalainen. It certainly has not been a great year for the team on or off the ice. Um, I'm sure the organization is sick of all the drama that has followed them, some of it by their own making, some of it not. Um, but changes are coming. John Davidson and the rest of the hockey operations team there will serve um, in the management role. I believe John Davidson is technically taking the GM title um, until a, a replacement is found. Um, but this is looks like it's going to be a long process. And while I certainly can understand that it was likely the right time for Yarmo to go. 
Um, this is also a GM who did a lot of good for that organization. And as we usually find 10 years down the road, um, there will be things that people point to that he did. But it certainly seemed to be time. Shana, do you agree with the decision by Columbus and the timing to do it now? Yeah, I think that sometimes we see teams wait till the offseason because this is a move that shakes up so many things. But if you're going into the deadline with the general manager you're unsure about, you either cannot let them do anything, which is going to hurt even the long run, or you let them do it and then you clean up their damage. And I think of like Pittsburgh with Ron Hextall. I think everybody knew he was going to be done at the end of the year, but they still let him navigate last year's trade deadline. And you look at the assets he spent and the contracts he brought on like Grandlands that they then had to find a way to get out of. You don't want that, but you also don't want a general manager, especially for the Blue Jackets, when you need to find ways to progress and progress kind of quickly. You know, you have a lot of young talent, but you also sign players in their right now era. Like you need to find right that now, balance. <laughs> Love like, it. That this is this is the time to do it. Then you can't just sit and twiddle your thumbs at the deadline. You need to be the right like the might right amount of aggressiveness for some moves and for some of them to have that element of patience so if you didn't trust them to do it you have to make a change and I think when you look at how things have unfolded in Columbus and some of it stems from the coaching situations that they've had over the last year some of it stems from player development or uh, player acquisitions some contracts like the Gabranson deal you can see those missteps and go you know what it sounds like it's the right time to to look in a new direction and try to salvage what's been these last couple of terrible seasons. Like it's more than just terrible luck that's been hurting them. Right decision by Columbus, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that work for this team and they absolutely love the guy. And that explains why he's been able to like, hang on to this for so long. I love his aggression too. And I don't want to discourage that from other GMs, not that they're going to listen to me and be like, oh my God, like, it's like, whatever. But I so think, I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he like, obviously the Babcock stuff was awful. Like, what are you thinking? There were so many with all the good innovative decisions he's made. There were also like Provorov really like, what do you do? Like you are not optimizing these guys and the what you're a lot of them. I feel like he signed on people that were on their way. Like they're, they're declining. You know what I mean? I think he's gotten a lot of that. And part of that is bad luck. Part of that is being aggressive and maybe not the best way, but he's a really interesting, smart guy. I always love like the Finns that played college hockey. I think that gives you such an interesting perspective on life. I love picking, I don't know, Eric Hall as brain, not, not a fan favorite per se, but like, I think he's so interesting regardless. And I don't know, just, I like the guy and I think he's an important hockey mind that I want to see around, but this was getting ridiculous. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have time for just one more segment before we wrap this with our favorite game. And Shana, you know what that means. We would be remiss if we didn't ask. How does this affect the Leafs? The delivery each time is so good. It's always. I different. don't like. I don't know how. To, I don't have a drum. I don't, we don't have a sound. <laughs> it's just. I feel like the Maple Leafs don't. I know. Just hearing their name should stop you in their tracks. It's the center of the universe we're talking mm. about. We can't get enough. They, even when we think, all right, everything's calm and fine in Toronto. They're like, no, we have 10 other storylines for you to talk about. And we're going <laughs> to force ourselves into the conversation. You can't look away. <laughs> well, there are lots of storylines that we could talk about, but the one that we are going to focus on today is, of course, <clears throat> the Morgan Riley suspension. Five games he will be out. He's going to serve the last one uh, coming up in their next game. 
he appealed, the appeal was rejected. And in what I just love is the ultimate amount of shade in my favorite paragraph from the ruling, the cross check was delivered as retribution for an unnecessary and seldom seen play that Mr. Riley believed may have been intended to embarrass Toronto. Although much of the testimony offered by Messrs. Riley, Trilliving, and Shanahan at the hearing concerned whether Mr. Grieg's slap shot was provocative, that discussion is utterly irrelevant. Mr. Riley's actions were not undertaken in self-defense, they were not accidental, and they were not reflexive. They were not simply careless or merely reckless. With plenty of time to think about what he was going to do next, Mr. Riley approached Mr. Grieg from the side and then used his stick, and it goes on. But I love them just calling out the petty of the Leafs, basically saying that their argument was, he embarrassed us, so of course we had to do it. The suspension will stand. He'll be back soon. The Leafs are actually winning while he's out. Sarah, what do you make of the whole drama around the Riley, in my opinion, egregious actions after an empty net goal? I mean, Leafs are 4-0. Oh my goodness. Uh, let's start a controversy. I. It's suspicious that the NHL upholds everything DOPS does, but they should hold this and I really it's so funny like we have this idea of Bettman obviously he's a lawyer and has been at this for a few years reading through the thing I'm like oh he's pretty smart like he's making some points but like of course he is I liked the part where he said yeah we took Riley not being a, a repeat offender into consideration or it would have been more than five games I like that that was kind of the argument and I liked that he pointed out that much of Toronto's argument was based around the fact that this was like retaliation because of being embarrassed and that like, it's an unwritten rule. I don't, I just wrote a story about this. I'm like, well, I guess the rule is saying unwritten because Gary kind of rebuttaled that he wasn't acting in self-defense and it was intent. Like the fact that he's doing it out of embarrassment shows that he was intending to injure this guy who did not injure him first. You know what I mean? Like, this is a clear egregious, like you said, this, this is a textbook definition of the word egregious. So it just, is it allowed? I don't know. Like, should it be allowed in the game? Whatever. Like, if you're going to bite the bullet and take five games, I know some of your teammates are going to love you for that. And that's fine. I loved that this guy, like, I'm sorry, I've never heard of him. Like, I don't know, Ridley Grieg. Um, sounds like, it's just so funny that like, that's, I don't know, no offense, but I'm just like, okay, that's of course your name. I'm like trying to spell it in every article. Like, who are you? But he, I'm never going to forget his name now because in practice the next day, Claire Hanna, who I love, reported that he took a slap shot into the net. It was the first thing that he did. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I think that's funny. And that's the entertainment level of growing the game. But I guess we'll see what happens the next time somebody does something like this. I don't know. The peanut gallery from Ryan Reeves too, where it's oh, like, God. Yes. you're the one that's supposed to yeah. be doing something. And you're the one like, yeah, of course we need this in the game. Yeah, because we, you're not going to be in the game if we don't have this. So I don't know what to tell you. I can't believe a team would dare do this to the Toronto Maple Leafs and Ryan Reeves on the bench with the threat of him being sent over the boards with 30 seconds to go. How dare Sheldon Keefe put him out there? He really made a statement. My God. So I thought the whole thing was ridiculous. Shana, do you have anything to add? Yeah, though I'm I couldn't be happier the situation happened to the Maple Leafs because it got the it got the traction and discourse we all deserved. It's been a nightmare, all of it, but it's all been perfect at the same time. The I agree that it's it it is a little fishy that every suspension gets upheld, but um, the, that that 
paragraph was too perfect because at the end of the day, you could say whatever the fuck you want and go, oh yeah, we had to do it. We had no choice. We were going to be embarrassed because if Riley didn't do it, then the Maple Leafs are solved. And then that's all we're talking about for weeks on end, painstakingly. But like, dude, you had, you skated a distance and had all the time in the world to change your mind. And you could have still made a statement on 100%. these bullshit That's unwritten exactly. rules, yep. right? You could have been like, I'm just going to shove them into the boards. I'm going to cross check them in the side. Like maybe you would have gotten the game if that, you know, because if it were earlier in the game, you would have gotten maybe a penalty, a major, no big deal. But since it's the end of the game, like if you need something to balance it out, because that's how this all works. But I mean, what'd you expect? Like, what would the, you gotta, like, sorry, it's the consequences of my action to overreacting over an empty net slap shot. And I know some guys are sitting there going, well, you can't do that. It's not fucking written. I'm so tired of this game being like, there's so many unwritten rules. Like, okay, like write, write them down so we all have them and we can all be informed of them instead of walking on eggshells in a game where it's totally okay to like slash someone across the ankles and punch them in the face if you don't get your way. Like, come on. No, I, th I think you hit it on the head, Shana, and that, you know, if you want to say you have to react and not be embarrassed, fine, but the degree to which it went was unacceptable, in my opinion. All right, my friends, let's wrap this one up. It is time for everyone's favorite game, and that is Fuck, Mary Kill. And I'm about to surprise my co-host because I am calling an audible. I am changing the Fuck, Mary oh. Kill from what we originally said because there's something we must discuss in this episode. And in a unique twist... For Fuck, Mary Kill today, you're going to have four options. So you only have to pick three of the four, but you're going to have four options. Sarah, as is tradition, you will go first. Are you ready? Oh, Fuck, Mary yeah. Kill. Okay, four. Brand, Your options go. are the Stadium Series Enter Outfits. Yay! <laughs> so Philadelphia's Rocky-themed outfits, Jersey Sopranos, the Rangers Police Fire Department jerseys, or the Islanders being the Islanders. The floor is yours. Go. I'm marrying the Gabagool. That was great. The the celebrations too. They absolutely nailed that. Um, I am fucking Rocky. That was great. They were running in too. Like I really loved the action shots of them. Um, I'm, what are the, fuck, marry, kill. What else? No, that's one will just not be considered. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So whichever one I like the least out of. Yeah, I'm going to kill the suits. Like, come on, Lou. This is, like, the one good thing about the stadium. Actually, their stadium series game was lit, so whatever. But that is typically the one good thing about these stadium series is, like, letting the guys have fun with their outfits. So just let them once. Like, or you shouldn't deserve to have a game, honestly. Like, I'm being serious. That gets the most traction out of anything in these events. So, like, giving that – I'm sure teams would love to have a stadium series that haven't. So grow up. Shana. Yeah, I'm going to marry the devils. Uh, everything top to bottom, the little espresso cups they were carrying. And I thought yeah. I said Timo Meyer had one. And even the wives were like, we're in our mob wife era. I wish that they could have worn like furs and amped it up, but I'm sure that they had their outfits, you know, made, planned for weeks before like the guys figured out what they were going to do. So obviously it couldn't work fully, but I feel like I saw them with like the wine glasses in their hands, like living it up, loved it. I think that they absolutely crushed it. It was funny. It was without being too costly that everyone would like complain. I felt like it was just perfect. Um, fucking the flyers. It, it was, it was a really nice touch uh, to see the players. Like you said, like they brought the energy with it. It seemed like the guys were excited to do it. And it was funny because they did go for like a little fashiony a couple days before that with the, uh, the orange jackets that they had, they were a little bit more like a bowling team style, but I didn't hate them. 
but this I think was just perfect. Um, I will kill the Rangers. I think it was a great touch having Stephen McDonald walking with Jacob Truba. Stephen McDonald's son walking with Jacob Truba, but boring. You could have done better. It just didn't do it for me. I will not even dignify the Islanders being in these categories. I won't even kill them. I don't want to consider them. It's I call me an Islander hater all you want. Lou Lamorello and me are apparently enemies. And this is the reason why, because you can show an ounce of personality and let the players have one ounce of fun with it. And if any team would do it, you would think they seem like such a close knit group. I really would have seen like to see what they could have tried to do here. I agree with Shayna. But for different yeah, reasons. We hate the Islanders today. But for, but for Thanks, different reasons. Lou. So obviously <laughs> New Jersey crushed it. So good. So on brand. So embracing, like taking a usual diss and turning it into and embracing it. Loved it. Um, the reason I'm fucking the Rocky is because one of the things I think is a perk for the players is they get to keep and have fun with the uniforms. And basically they got just some sweats. And it looked like a lot of the pants were actually too big. Did you see like the guys kept having to pull them up as they'd run? So I was like, oh, I feel bad. You didn't get any good swag. Um, I'm going to kill the Rangers because I get it, but also like, it is also black history month and we're doing this, but here we are. So, and the Islanders don't, don't deserve anything. So there you have it, my friends. We are so back. We are so happy to have you listening to us being back. And we promise to be back for the foreseeable future. Thanks to those of you who let us know you were waiting impatiently on an episode. We love that. If you're ever waiting on an episode and you haven't heard from us lately, don't forget, you can still keep us with you. We have a whole bunch of merch. You can go to toomanymenmerch.com and get sweatshirts, hats, switch cases, all kinds of good things, stickers, mugs, glasses. You can also follow us on social. We are at two underscore much underscore man on both the Instagram and the Twitter. It's always going to be called Twitter. And we are two hyphen much hyphen man on the blue sky. Until we talk again, my friends, we always ask that you please try to do something, no matter how big or small, to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye.